Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. And it's the first Monday of the month, which means Request Monday at the Metal Exchange. Mastodon's Crack the Sky, which was a one hell of an experience for me as uh, somebody who's literally heard about three notes from this band. And I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, Chris, how are you, bud? How's, how's it going over there? Very good. Um, we have business cards now. Uh, we do. So we do. Next, t- next time you see us, uh, ask us about our business cards. Yeah, I like it. And it took, it took a while to uh, get here. I think uh, there were some delays and then some mistakes on on the end uh, on the on the end of the printer. But we we are we are alive and we are well and we are actually thinking about doing some merch as well. So something to think about. Uh, thought about uh, some you know gla- like beer mugs with the with the logo and some t shirts and stuff like that. But to 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 be decided and, and something to uh, something to think about in the future but yeah, my, my first my first set of cards came with a typo on them and it said the mental exchange so <laughs> i'm going to start a, a secondary podcast for um you know mental health and uh depression anxiety and uh it's something i know a little bit about so um, <laughs> so yeah we're gonna I'm have not a only uh i'm not only the president i'm also a client right is oh it, yeah yeah there you go um a lot of new stuff came out this week. Um, one song in particular you sent me, which was The Dark Side of the Moon, May It Be. What an awesome song that was. That was like a real surprise. came out of nowhere. Yeah, so um, I had remembered uh, Melissa Bonnie had mentioned something about, I don't know if it's just a side project or if it's a band or whatever. They only have two songs, and this is the second one they released, and it's a... Um, it's a duet with her and Charlotte Wessels, formerly of Delane, and, and both women are two of my favorite vocalists so hearing them together but um what a great tune it's just um i, re- I liked it so much i made it the the last song on my uh newest playlist and uh yeah that was a really cool uh release nice little surprise um i added it to my uh list for when we um inevitably talk about the best singles of the year it's probably going to be a, a contender so i agree um count, nice surprise i i wasn't expecting it and i guess i didn't had no idea what it was when you sent it but I'm, I'm glad that i listened uh and also a new jeff scott soto song love is the revolution this this was uh for for a guy who's market like very consistent and just across the board you know obviously great song after great song this is just as good as the rest of them and, and, and another enjoyable listen yeah, Jeff Scott Soto is just timeless. Um, I mean, the fact that he was like the singer on the very first Ingve Malmsteen album is just wild to me because you see him now and like he doesn't look old enough to be on the first Ingve Malmsteen album. Um, I, he, he's just a, this ageless wonder and his music is timeless. And this is another really cool song. If you dig kind of a little bit of a kind of like a middle eastern almost like egyptian kind of uh kind of intro um i like this song a lot and i'm looking forward to hearing the whole album the album's uh gonna be called complicated so looking forward to that yeah yeah definitely um always good to hear stuff from him and i got one more thing i don't even know if i told you about this i had picked up an album um by a Guitar player from New Jersey, no less, Angel Vivaldi, and he came out with an album called The Vivaldi Metal Project. The album is called Epiclassica, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's basically neoclassical metal with a lot of classical influences and orchestration and strings and stuff like that. What's, I, I think, most interesting to me about this album, and I, I only had a chance to listen to it once, there are like 
a thousand guests. I mean, this makes like Avantasia seem like a side project compared to what you see on this thing. It is nuts. And, and when I say like, I don't know, I guess like people on this album, I mean, there are some absolute heavy, heavy, heavy hitters. I won't go into all of them because there's just so many people that guest on this thing, but it's definitely worth checking out. I'll post the song this week just because it was really, really unique and different. Um, Almost hard to digest because every song has different singers and multiple different singers, but like it's just dense and a lot going on, but catchy at the same time. So uh, I I think it's worth taking a listen. Very cool. Um, I hope that it's an album that you can listen to in all four seasons. (laughs) There you go. Um, Anything else from you or uh, shall we get into some Mastodon? Oh, I got, I got, I got stuff. Um, Let's hear well, um, I couldn't wait to post, so I already posted this, but um, the, the band Ilium, you had sent me this track called Tsitsi. Um, <laughs> Tsitsi? I, I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, and it's from their uh, album Quantum Evolution Event. Um, what a great song. I, I, I just thought, like, it has this, um, I believe they're, they're from Australia or New Zealand, but yep, they have Australia, I believe. kind of this... Uh, kind of a lord vibe i'm get like i get a, a lord vibe um which makes sense because lord's also from from australia but um just a really like catchy fun song um albeit a little silly i guess because it's a song about a, a bug but um <laughs> the band seemed to enjoy that we uh, enjoyed it so uh we um we posted it on our our page the other day um also, um, this one kind of came as a surprise to me uh, yesterday. Um, it was announced that Yanni Limitainen, formerly of Sonata Artica, would be releasing his first solo album called My Father's Son. And they released a um, the first track from it called All Dreams Are Born to Die. And who is the vocalist on this track? None other than Mr. Tony Kako, who is the current uh, singer for Sonata Artica. So it was kind of cool hearing them uh, reunite and do a song together again. Um, it might be the I, best Sonata Arctic song I've heard in the last 10 years. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Really I good. saw a comment on Facebook that just said proof that Tony Kako is, can still sing a song and not sound bored. Yeah. Um, not, <laughs> not true. my words, just uh, <laughs> repeating what somebody else said, but um, the song's excellent. Um, so it, I'm looking forward to it. There's also a whole bunch of uh, really cool, guest vocalists that are going to be on that album. So that'll be coming out later this year. And uh, I also wanted to kind of uh, mention that um, uh, Shining Black, um, you know, which features uh, Olaf Thorson, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, uh, playing guitars and um, vocalist Mark Bowles. um, They dropped a new single from their upcoming album, Postcards from the End of the World. And the song's called A Hundred Thousand Shades of Black. I don't know if you heard the song. I think it's awesome. I haven't heard it yet. It's it's impressive to me that they're coming out with the material so like fast and furiously. But I, I love it. I, I think it's they're a great combo together. I, I look forward to hearing this. And once we are done, I will definitely uh, give that a spin. I, I like it. Yeah, and you you know you had mentioned I think you had mentioned that last week or the week before that the Gathering released a new single. Um, I, I I'm really digging it. I, I've listened to it a, a bunch of times, and um, you know I'm not that familiar with the band. Um, especially post Anike, but um, I, I thought this was a really cool kind of atmospheric style tune. So it, um, it almost filled the anathema void that was 
void once they kind of called it quits. It, it, it had it reminded me of something in that vein, which is awesome. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna say that that's a bad thing. Uh, good stuff. I think the album should be interesting, and uh, I wish they were playing Prog Power this year, just because I think it would have been a cool set to see. Have you listened to the new um, Pure Reason Revolution single? I haven't gotten a chance to listen yet. So I jumped the gun on that one. I woke up to that, I think it was yesterday. So I, I put it out on our Facebook page and I put it out on our Reddit feed, etc. cetera. Um, I did. And once you accept the fact or once I accepted the fact that The Dark Third was never going to be made again because it's a top three album for me and I that is not an exaggeration. I've listened to that probably more than any other album. Once you accept that and you kind of listen to the last album and then this song, it's close and it's really good. But I think you have to be a fan of that style. It's They really don't sound much like anybody else. So when I hear bits and pieces of songs that remind me of Pure Reason Revolution, I go nuts. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a single that kind of dropped out of nowhere. And apparently the album will be out in a couple of weeks, which is fantastic, maybe a couple of months at this point. But uh, really, really excited to hear that. I love these guys and I will support them with, with whatever they do. Um, that's probably why I saw them in concert in front of six people in New York City. But that's a story for <laughs> another day altogether. Yeah, you were probably the only person who wasn't related to anybody in the band at that time. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. I think because of the six people in the crowd, three of them were all the way in the back and not paying attention. So it was literally uh, three people up front. It, it was a surreal moment, and I actually felt bad for them. But uh, that's going back well over 10 years now, and um, they've, they've gotten a lot more popular since then, fortunately. Well, I have to... Um... I have it, give it a listen, but it's on my radar. I have it um, queued up on my next playlist that um, probably won't be done for at least another several hours. Um, <laughs> I mean, days, weeks. I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah. Check it out on Spotify. On- Chris's playlist, all my playlists up on our Spotify page. Definitely worth checking out. And uh, yeah, I need to update, looking for new music. Um, I need to update that a little bit. I think we're, we've gotten a little bit behind, but I will <laughs> You'll make, it make up. sure to take care of that. I mean, there's plenty... <laughs> to keep you busy in the meantime, because there is, I think, every playlist we've made since the beginning of last year, maybe even the year before. I, I don't even know, um, but there's quite a quite a lot of stuff there. So uh, I love it. I love it. And uh, one thing that I did not love right away was uh, Macedon's "Crack the Sky," but I have to say this was a real um, eye-opening experience for me because this was a band I was just so derelict in my metal fandom. I, I just didn't know anything from these guys, although I should because of a story which I'll tell in a little bit. But do you want to kind of tell how this request kind of came through to us? Uh, yeah. Um, I have a, uh, a local friend here named uh, Dave Milburn, and uh, he um, recently started listening to the podcast. And um, he's like, no joke, going back and listening to all the episodes in the archives, which we very much appreciate. And uh, he, he's, he had asked us a while ago to cover a Mastodon album. And, and so um, I, I asked him if he had one that he particularly wanted us to do. And he said, crack the sky. And it was kind of funny because he had sent me a message um, last week and he was like, uh, if you guys decide you're going to do crack the sky and like, we had already decided that's what we were doing. So it was kind of funny. I was like, well, as it, as it happens to be, we were actually, uh, getting prepped to do that this week. So um, he sent in his, uh, his blurb and, um, 
it kind of made me chuckle and you'll understand why um he said hey guys i'm so glad you're doing an episode on this album crack the sky was mastodon's fourth official release and was a rare example of a huge departure in sound that did not alienate much of the band's fan base uh this is the part that made me laugh the concept is your stereotypical protagonist astral projects into a wormhole which sends him into the body of rasputin during czarist russia where he must escape assassination I mean, if if, if, if I had a dollar for every, done it, then this is probably a first. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every album that I had uh, that had that kind of uh, uh, thematic uh, undertones, I'd have a dollar, which would be this one. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah, I think that was what short. Pearl Jam's Vitology was about um, <laughs> or maybe not. But uh, anyway, he uh, he continues. But juxtaposed with this over-the-top sci-fi story is the title track, which is a tribute from drummer and Rochester native Bron Daler to his sister Sky, who took her own life when they were both teenagers. Uh, he mentions his track of the week here. I'll kind of hold on t- to that until we get to it. Um, but good. he also says, uh, whatever you rate this album, I'm sure you'll agree that it's incredibly unique and ambitious. Cheers and keep up the great work, Dave. So thank yeah, you, Dave. I this- appreciate that. And very well, very well said. Yeah, very well said. And I have to say, I this was a band that, like, I, my first exposure to them and only exposure to them was in the fall of 2004. And you say, why then? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I was It was my first semester of law school, and I remember hearing the name of the band, not knowing anything by them. And a guy who was in my section. And for anyone that doesn't know, your first year of law school, you basically sit with the same 100 students every single day for the entire year. And so they bring everybody up into these sections. And this guy, Joel, was in my section. And all of a sudden, he was wearing like a flannel shirt. And under it was a black t-shirt with the Mastodon logo for their prior release that had come out in August of 2004, um, which was fascinating to me because I, I had never, I, let's put it this way. I didn't know anybody that knew Leviathan, the album, Moby Dick. Yes, but not Leviathan, the album, not Mastodon. And this guy's wearing a Mastodon t-shirt. And I, and I went up to him and I said to him, you know, are you a fan of the band? How did you get the shirt? The whole thing. And again, I had never heard a note uh, from these guys. He basically went on to tell me that he went on tour with them I guess during their early formative years and was their photographer, at least for those early albums. And I had no idea. So he was telling me all these stories, fascinating stuff. Uh, and then after that conversation, I went and played Leviathan for the first time and the only time because I hated it. And at the time in 2004, I hadn't started really listening to a ton of aggressive stuff and some of the vocal melodies well, I don't want to see melodies. The vocal lines on that album uh, just did not grab me. So I never listened to it again. And when this request came through, I thought this was, album was going to be more of the same. And it couldn't have been any different from what I remember Mastodon being. So I, I have to go back and, and with this newfound appreciation that I have for some of the more aggressive music, I have to go back and listen to Leviathan. But this album was a complete trip in another direction that I was not ex- not expecting at all. Um, had you had any exposure to these guys or was this like the first and only time you've heard them? Uh, very little. I mean, like I've heard... Um songs here and there you know a couple songs from leviathan a couple songs from blood mountain uh some of the newer songs um like toe to toes uh, roots remain um i think you had sent me a cover they did of stairway to heaven so like not 
not a ton. Um, I had the general gist of what the band sounded like, but I guess, um, I guess they've, they've kind of made some changes over the years, uh, where they, they don't have like one very specific sound. So, I mean, I guess I really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And, and, and the first time I put this on, I was really not enjoying it that much. I, I think that Maybe it's just because I didn't know what I was getting into, but with every time I listened to it, I find I found myself picking up on on different things or things that I hadn't heard the the prior listen. And by the end, I actually kind of liked it, and I was surprised just because it's it's a quirky album, and it's I've never heard anything like it. And there, I mean, I can as we go through the songs, I'll kind of get into some of the influences that I hear, and there's some really heavy influences here. But just as as a total package. I had never heard anything quite like this, and I'm not sure that I will ever hear anything quite like it again. Yeah, I don't know that I could uh, say it better than that. I mean, I, I, it was definitely um, different uh, for me, and um, I I definitely was like, the first time I listened to it, it was like, what, what the hell did I just listen <laughs> to, and am I going to even like any of this after a week of listening to it. And Hey, it turns out that I did. Um, I, I will say I didn't love it. Um, it's not my favorite kind of style or whatever, but, um, I, I definitely understand why it's an influential record. And, um, I can totally understand why a prog fans especially would enjoy it. Um, so I'm kind of glad that, um, we gave it a listen. Cause I don't know that I ever really would have sat down and been able to, to digest a full Mastodon album unless I, I was forced to. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. And it's funny because, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot, and, and I just want you to go with me for a second. If Tool and Ozzy had a baby, right, and Coheed and Cambria and Opeth were the first cousins, did that's Mastodon. That, sound, that sounds um, sounds a little weird, but I, I, <laughs> I, I, I hear it. Especially the... Um, uh, the so I, I'm I'm realizing now that this band has three different singers, um, but uh, the the guitarist uh, Brent Hins or Hines, not sure how he pronounces it, but he sounds just like Ozzy to me, and and like I just I I think I'd mentioned to you like, is it just me or does this have like no. kind of an uh, Ozzy vocal kind of like vibe to it? And you were like, I'm so glad you said that that you know it wasn't just me, and uh, there and there was kind of cool. It's like it's like if you ever want to hear Ozzy sing on a prog metal album, here you go. And and yet there are certain either phrases or or parts of the album where it it kind of slows down just a little bit, and it reminds me just of Black Sabbath because it's like Ozzy singing over this doom metal in portions. But for the most part, yeah, it's like alternative prog. I guess is the best way to describe it because there's definitely an alternative vibe here as well. Um, and there are parts of the album where I thought I was listening to Soundgarden. So I mean, it's it's all over the place. But it's we'll we'll get there. I, I, you know what? We'll just dive into it. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what your track of the week is because I went back and forth about six times on that. But we'll, 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 I, yeah, I have I'll, one I'll, and... I'll say this: it was actually a pretty easy choice for me. So I'll just okay. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I bet I can guess what it is, but we'll get there. Uh, the track opens, or I should say the album opens with a, um, I guess we'll call it a classic sounding, uh, Macedon's song, I, I guess is the best way to describe it. It's, it's a song called Oblivion. It comes in at about f- just under six minutes as most of the tracks uh, on this album do, except for like these two epic sounding tracks. This is when it, when it, when it, 
kicks in with this really like tuned down slow guitar riff. I thought it was going to be the second coming of Candlemas, but it wasn't. When you start hearing this drummer, uh, that's when I really got a strong Tool vibe. And he reminded me very much of the way that Danny Carey from Tool does his thing. It, it's, and then, like you said, then all of a sudden, this Ozzy clone starts singing. Very, very technical and not that melodic. And I think that that might be the reason why you didn't like love it right away because it's not accessible. Like it's really not like, it's not something you listen to and it's going to get ingrained in your head. Some of the riffs might, but like the songs themselves, not that catchy. Yeah, it's definitely, I agree that it definitely has kind of a doomy kind of vibe to it, at least um, when it starts out. But then like about a minute in, it starts to kind of chug a little bit um, with the guitars and stuff. Um, the more I listened to the song, the more I liked it. Um, it it's, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have a hard time kind of putting to words. I'm going to probably lean on you for this because um, a lot of this is just like kind of hard to, to, to just verbalize um but, yeah uh, it's if you listen to the chorus that's where i was getting that sound garden or an alice in chains vibe which i thought was like really really unique and and, and then at, towards the end it kind of gets bluesy like a heavy led zeppelin I, I don't know it's this was a really intriguing song i didn't love it but i have to say it was well constructed um i liked it with more with each listen i i, I like it i don't think i loved it, it is the is kind of the way I would describe it, but really, really interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm curious to see if other people had the same reaction that I did uh, insofar as just, I've never heard anything like this really. And it, it was fascinating to me. Well, it's, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Soundgarden because it's, I found it very interesting that um, the producer of this album is Brendan O'Brien, who is a very, um, just tra- well-traveled uh, record producer. He he's produced nearly all of the Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam albums. He's also um, he's also worked on. Uh, he was the engineer on Blood Sugar Sex Magic by Red Hot Chili Peppers. He mixed the Temple of the Dog album. He's worked with Black Crows, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Biscuit, Corn, um, Offspring. Uh, train, audio slave, um, velvet revolver, uh, but he also he was the mixed super unknown by Soundgarden. So I can hear it. I actually hear it on here, and it's not that the songs are that much like Soundgarden, but it has this like muddy grittiness to the sound in many spots that it was. I guess I should have known, right? Like I didn't know, but I guess I should have known based on on, on kind of the way that this is constructed. Um, anything yeah, else? Definitely say- like an alt slash grunge, like a like a little bit of it that kind of gets sprinkled in. I, I just yes. feel like maybe the reason it's difficult to explain is because it just feels like there's a lot. Like you said, there's a lot of influences all kind of uh, diverging uh, onto this album. So. Yeah, uh, we'll give it our best shot. I, I, I think the second track, uh, is a little bit easier. Um, I don't know. I guess a little bit easier to kind of describe. Uh, Divinations is a shorter song. It's only three and a half minutes. It's, but a, it's like a, a short proggy song. Outstanding, outstanding drumming. Very, very opeth like for me. Um, it's a heavy song. And even though it's like, it's not a ballad. It's just this heavy, short, like kind of in your face 
uh, almost messy sounding song, but yet you can hear that the musicians are just really, really, really tight. And I thought it was a nice contrast to the first track. Um, there's also these like subtle guitar solos that you hear during the choruses, but in the background, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, there's this instrumental section towards the end, very grungy, not my favorite part of the song. Um, I actually think it's not the most memorable track on the album either. And it was kind of an interesting choice to start the album with these two, but they do provide a nice contrast to one another. Yeah. Th- this made me think of like, if there was going to be a song from this album, that would have been like a good hard rock radio song. This yes. probably would have been it. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's not very long. Um, I, I think it's probably maybe one of the more accessible songs on the album, maybe just because it's not that long and it's not that complicated. But uh, yeah, it, I, I thought this was pretty good. It kind of um, features a little bit more of the screamy vocals. Um, not sure which of the members is the screamy one. Cause like no <laughs> joke, there are three members of the band that provide vocals on this. There's like kind of the clean, the regular clean vocals, the Aussie style clean vocals, and then kind of the screamy vocals. <laughs> and then, and then not, not to mention you have um, Scott Kelly who does um, guest vocals on the, the track crack the sky. So you, there's four different people. Oh, and Brendan O'Brien, who I just mentioned does backing vocals. So there's five voices throughout this album. So um, I'm not even going to pretend to know who's who other than no. I actually did look up who in Mastodon sounds like Ozzy and found out that it was Brent. So I just wanted to make sure at least I knew that part. So at least we all agree that we're not crazy when when it comes to that anyway. Uh, Third track is Quintessence. It's a a tad slower, not a ballad by any means. Um, The verses are a touch repetitive for me. The bridge, one of my favorite parts of the song, is very atmospheric, almost porcupine tree-ish, which I thought uh, was a nice touch. Uh, The chorus, very heavy, kind of loses the melody a bit. Uh, but what was interesting is that at certain points I could have sworn I heard Lemmy from Motorhead singing, which was a whole trip in into it in and of itself. Um, my favorite part of this whole song, though, is this instrumental section and the last minute and a half, because I just thought the, the way this song kind of goes out was really, really, really awesome. And, and I think it was probably my one of my favorite portions of the album. Um, so tell me if you think that, like, at the beginning of the song, there's like this re- um, repeating guitar riff. I feel like if you laid some like black metal vocals over this, it would be, it would totally fit. Like it's just got that kind of like that, re- that repetitive um, kind of dark sounding yeah. guitar riff, but just instead with Ozzy singing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like this tune. I think it's pretty cool. Um, it, the, the, the chorus sounds like it's a different song though. Like it, like all of a sudden it kind of goes into like this um, more like almost more of like a, a like an alt rock style um, chorus. Um, but yeah, this, I think this was one of the, um, one of my uh, more favorite songs from the, I mean, there's only seven songs on the album, but th- this one I, I liked quite a bit. This every, the way I would describe it is this every time I thought the band was going to zig, they zagged. And every time I thought they were going to zag, they zigged. And I, that's why I think it kept me on my toes because every time I listened to it, I was just hearing stuff that I 
did not either expect to hear or didn't pick up on. Um, and, and that would in be a no- ma- in a macro sense, you could probably say that about the album on a whole. Oh, 100%. And that's what I mean. Just the album as a whole, every time it would just go in all these different directions that I wasn't expecting, not least of which was the fourth track, The Czar. I really enjoyed this track. I thought this, this was the first of the two like epic, epic songs on the album. It clocks in at almost 11 minutes long and it's broken down into four different parts all of which sound kind of different from one another. It starts with this keyboard intro, which almost sounds like a Mellotron um, in the background. Really, really cool, uh, like a fuzzy guitar sound, and it has like a psychedelic Black Sabbath feel to the start of this song. The way I would describe it, actually, is Pure Reason Revolution, who I mentioned earlier, meeting Black Sabbath. And so right off the bat, I am like, I'm into this, right? I have to see where this goes. And it starts kind of slowly, but it starts to pick up steam with the second part, which is much heavier. It's faster, but it has these really cool, like groovy, like guitar tones and bass lines, which again, I just think is really, really good stuff. And the guitar riffs on that second part of the song, probably my favorite riffs on the entire album. Then it goes into this like spacey psychedelic portion, this third, this third track, um, which is very, very different, but it's still very groovy. Uh, it, that third portion is mostly instrumental. And then they go into this guitar solo, which reminds me of Guns N' Roses. It was like hearing Slash on this album do a guitar solo like three quarters of the way through the song. And then the most, I guess we'll call it progressive part of the song is the end where the Mellotron comes back, the vocal lines from the beginning come back, just a really well-crafted end to this epic song. I like this one a lot. I can... It's funny. I, I went to see what they were playing on tour with Opeth. Uh, and although I haven't seen a recent set list from the tour, because I don't think it's actually started yet, they're, they're, when they played in December, this was the one song they played from the album, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I like this song a lot. Nice. Yeah. It's, um, it, like, I think the, it lost me the first couple of times I listened to it just because it's like such a meaty tune, but it definitely grew on me. Um, and like you said, like the, the, having all these different parts kind of gives it um, each section of the song its own kind of flavor. And this was actually uh, Dave's track of the week. And, and he said that uh, it's an epic tune that encapsulates many of the band's eclectic influences. And I, I don't know that I can say, say it better than that right there. I mean, it really does kind of um, showcase all these different styles that the band excels at. Good stuff. Yeah, that was uh, Dave's track of the week and sounds like you enjoyed it quite a bit as well. Yeah, definitely. It was probably runner up for me for track of the week. So I'm, I'm glad he chose that. Um, it, we kind of come back down to earth a little bit with that next song. Um, quite Ghost literally. Of Come again? 
Quite literally. Yeah, no, literally. I know. Uh, Ghost of Corellia. Um, I, before I get to my thoughts, I want to hear what you have to say about this one. Do you, what did you think of this track? Um, I liked it. Um, it turns out that I really didn't dislike any of the songs on this album. Um, it's it's just, again, it's another one of those albums where like I go into it like with a, a shrug pretty much, and then I, I end up after I did, I listened to this five times this week, I just really wanted to make sure. And, and even on like the fourth listen, I was like, it's still not like seeping in for whatever reason. And I think um, yesterday I listened to it finally for the fifth time. And I, I think it finally kind of clicked with me a bit. Um, I, I dug this song. Um, it kind of, it, it starts out, um, with a lot of uh, instrumental like goodness, like lots of drumming and guitar. Great percussion here. Like the percussion yeah. lines at the beginning were fantastic. Yeah. And this um, is, um, this is drummer, uh, Bron Daler's first album with the band. So hell of a, hell of a way to, to debut. Um, yeah. And you can tell that the, much like, uh, dream theater who we'll, we'll talk about it later on. Um, these are all like really proficient musicians. Like everybody's really, good at what they do like the guitar work is really strong um the drumming is is great and everything is mi- mixed in such a crisp way it really even though it does kind of have kind of an overall kind of grungy like almost noisy kind of sound to it but it's also mixed well like as if that was the point like we're, it wasn't meant to sound bad it was meant to sound gritty and I yeah think that's i, I how agree it, that's how it comes out This this song is actually going to be my track of the week, Ghost of nice. Corellia. I loved it. I, I the, the the riff in the beginning, which kind of permeates the entire thing, was just a in my eyes a blatant Tool ripoff, but well done, like a nod to Tool and like no bones about it. Well, it wasn't I, like I, they were making any albums in two thousand nine. So it, it, exactly, <laughs> it was almost like they, it was almost like Macedon was filling that void. I thought that the verses on this were great. Uh, I thought that the chorus was fantastic with this really dark bridge that kind of connects it, um, connects everything together. Um, I, I found this to be the most accessible of all the songs. It was just a, I don't know. I, I just thought it was a really well constructed, another song that I guess could be hard rock radio friendly. Um, I was just and, thinking that. And, and quite frankly, if I was, I mean, not that I have enough knowledge about the their, the rest of their catalog but i could see this being a show closer just one of those songs that kind of get you up and end the either end the set or end the show with um with a, with a song like this i really liked it I, I think that's really well said i i definitely would 
I could I, I could definitely picture it being like the final track. Um I, I have to say, like, after listening to this album, like I would be very interested in seeing this band live. I feel like it would be a really cool experience. Um and having a little bit of knowledge now, I just feel like it wouldn't be completely lost on me if I saw it like if I'd saw it, seen it before I listened to this album, it might've just been like a little bit too much and would have flown over my head. But I think now that I have a little bit of a, an idea of what the band is like, I feel like I could really enjoy maybe after I crack a few cold ones open. Uh, I think it would be a very really enjoyable experience. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, the, the sixth track is the title track and you mentioned obviously the story behind this. Um, there, there's an extended intro section and the drums really start to kind of build this anticipation for the track. Uh, and then you get into this like really over the top epic verse with a, with an awesome guitar riff and some keyboards. You actually have some death metal vocals on this track, which is, you know, you kind of got in pockets, but this, you really kind of heard it pop on this one. Uh, and, and honestly, this is what I had remembered when I, when I listened to Leviathan almost 20 years ago. Um, this was kind of the sound that I had remembered from that one time I listened to them. Really, really simple chorus, but I, I like it a lot. And and this this track actually had a very, um, like a post-metal feel to me. Like it reminded me a lot of The Ocean, the German band who I happen to enjoy quite a bit. That's what this track sounded like to me. It was like hearing The Ocean come to life, but with an American band. Okay, yeah. Um you know, like we had mentioned, this was a, uh, a tribute. Um, this was, uh, again, this was, uh, you know, um, Bron, uh, Bron Daler's first album with the band. And, and, um, he wrote this song as an homage to his sister who committed suicide at age 14, which is awful. And, uh, her name was Sky. And, uh, he had this to say, he said, my sister, my sister passed away when I was a teenager and it was awful. And there's no better way to pay tribute to a lost loved one and having an opportunity to be in a group with my friends and we make art together. Her name was Sky, so Crack the Sky means a lot of different things. For me personally, it means the moment of being told you lost someone dear to you. That moment is enough to crack the sky. So I mean, um if you needed a little bit of uh a little bit of emotion to kind of tie into this this tune, um I mean, it doesn't get more much more emotional than that. Yeah, uh, well said, well said, and I'm not even going to touch it after that because I can't add anything to it. Uh, the the last track is the the epic of all epics, a 13 minute track called "The Last Baron," and uh, I have to assume it's your track of the week because I haven't heard you say anything else. Is, is this is this what you're going with? It sure it sure is. Um, I like it. Let me wh- I, why, why I, this track? I just enjoyed it. I mean. I would have expected if you had told me that there's a 13 minute Mastodon song, I've been like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to get so bored. Um, but I, I ended up really liking it. Um, it just stays interesting the whole way through. Um, all the, all the instrumentation's fantastic. The, um, all the vocals, um,
know any like how to describe it specific like in a specific way, but I just happen to like this one more than the other ones, and and it just kind of um, you know, typically when you have a last song on an album that's this long, you really hope that it's really good. Otherwise, it's gonna you're really gonna end the album on kind of this long winded like down note, and and um, I feel like this was the right call uh, to make this the last track on the album. Um, just, just fantastic stuff. I, I, I liked it a lot, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad we all chose different songs because it's it, it'll be it'll make for a good uh, a, a good display for you know those who aren't super familiar with Mastodon like we weren't going into this. You know some of the different styles that the the band is capable of. Yeah, I, I well said. I, I think that there's a couple of just portions of this that are worth highlighting of this like epic track. About three and a half minutes in, this song kind of almost goes off the rails, but in a good way. And like, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's kind of like chaos, but it's really cool. Uh, towards the middle of the song, it really like th- that Soundgarden vibe, which I mentioned earlier, really pops. I, I call it Soundgarden on steroids. That's that middle section of the song, which is really, really interesting. And then there's this instrumental portion where all of a sudden it almost has that circus-like feel to it that you hear when Dream – like Jordan Rudis does a solo for Dream Theater. Like that wacky – like like just kind of going off off the rails there too. Um, I never that was loved – that. that was one of my favorite parts of the song. Yeah, it's, it was just – it just – it almost gave a little levity to this otherwise really dark and serious it was, album. It was like hearing Dream Theater – or Ozzy sing for Dream Theater, which – Yeah, yeah. Uh, which how is, else are you ever going to hear that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but really, really good stuff. I, it's, it's a bit long. Um, I, there's some of the vocal effects that they do on this one I don't love. But otherwise, I thought it was a really good track and a nice way to close it. Um, before we get to our ratings, I, I think it's worth noting this, this album really got like – rave reviews when it was released uh it was the number one album by metal hammer in 2009 other publications have had it as one of the greatest prog albums of all time uh time magazine had it as number three on their top 10 albums list and and to be clear time magazine has this at number three so i think there's definitely something here for everyone if if you know mainstream publications like that are, are gravitating towards it uh this this band really began to hit it you know i i think leviathan was their first you know kind of big release but by by this point the band had kind of exploded and i think they're every bit as popular now as they were uh you know a dozen years ago well well said yeah i was i was really um impressed with the the accolades that the uh the album I, I saw that Rhapsody called it the seventh best album of 2009, and I assume that that's the uh, the Napster uh, owned Rhapsody and not Rhapsody of Fire from Italy yes. calling it the yeah. seventh best album of 2009. I, I'm not sure what they came out with that year, but they may take umbrage with that. Uh, scale of one to ten, what are you giving this? Um, so I for me, I, I give it a, a seven. Um, it's I, I thought that uh, it was very good. Um, not my favorite style of uh of music but i have to say like when i first listened to it i was not i didn't even think i would sniff a seven by the time the week was out and so it really grew on me as the week went on and again it it was it's another um it's another reason why i enjoy doing this so much because it's a this is just really kind of um going outside of my uh my usual you know, which I, I do consider my my musical taste to be 
pretty well-rounded and, and large, but um, at least when it comes to metal, there's just some bands that kind of fall through the cracks. You just listen to one track and you're like, eh, and you kind of move on. And um, this was one of those bands for me. So I'm really glad that we got to talk about them and, and I could kind of give them uh more of a, a chance. And like, if it ever comes down to like us being on 70,000 tons of metal and this band happens to be playing, like I, you, you wouldn't have to do much to convince me to go check them out. I'll just bring you a yingling and I'll say, come follow me. And I think you'll go anyway. But uh, I'll say this. It's a seven for me as well. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was definitely at the beginning of the week. It made me curious to check out the other albums and actually go back and listen to those, which is the strongest compliment that I can say. Just it made me curious about the band. And I don't I wasn't planning on going to see them with Opeth. But now I'm kind of curious and wondering if I can grab a ticket because I think it would be a very interesting um, good stuff. And, you know, what's funny, we got some requests this week for other bands that have also slipped through the cracks Without spoiling too much, a requ- one of the requests that came in this week was for Overkill, which I thought was interesting because that's a band I've completely ignored, and they've been around even long, you know, twice as long as Mastodon, and they're they're local as well. But um, something to, something we'll get to in the future, and, and something I'm curious to cover because there is just certain bands that, like, if you don't get on board early, you just they kind of just pass you by, and you never really dive in. Mastodon, I think, is a perfect example of that. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much for the request. Uh, and I'll get to our um, album of the week for next week that, that I'm going to choose. But before we get there, some news items. Uh, Meshuggah, uh, one of the other extreme metal bands in that strapping young lad vein, has released a new single called Light the Shortening Fuse. I have not yet heard it, but given my new love affair for strapping young lad, I think I have to go check out some of this Meshuggah material. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, a prelude to an album that is due out in a couple of months. That should be interesting. Um, the It's their upcoming ninth album called Immutable. Uh, I believe it's due out on April 1st. Again, I don't know a single note from Meshuggah. I know they're very, very uh, heavy, intense, and, and kind of eclectic. But Maybe this is maybe not, maybe now is the time to check them out. So that's that's uh, news from the Meshuggah camp. And uh, speaking of strapping young lad, or in this case, former strapping young lad, uh, you know, it's funny. We 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 I mentioned um, Gene Hoagland in, in in detail when we were talking about strapping, and I also mentioned that he was drumming for Testament. Well, he's no longer drumming for Testament, as, as, as luck would have it. He's left the band, and uh, former uh, Slayer mastermind Dave Lombardo has taken up the reins and will be joining Testament once again. I believe he was on one of their older albums. I think he recorded with them, i got to be over 20 years ago now, on the Gathering album, and he is back in the fold. So uh, always good to have somebody like that behind the kit, keeping uh, everything together. Testament is another band that I don't think you've heard, which uh, we definitely will be covering in the future they're on my list um it's there they are a very very interesting band and for a fan of alex skolnick i know you loved his work on on that handful of rain album by sabotage this is the uh next logical extension as he is uh you know their guitar player extraordinaire there you go um yeah i I saw a lot of people that were very excited about that announcement so um yeah definitely one of those bands that's uh like you said (laughs) um just had way too much stuff to the point where I was just like um, overwhelmed by the, the amount of stuff and just never bothered, um, you know? So yeah, I think that we should definitely uh, give that, um, give them a listen at some point. 
Definitely. And uh, last night, as a uh, nice surprise, I saw Dream Theater uh, in concert, which is always, uh, always an experience. I make no bones about it. I've always loved this band. Um, Labrie was in rare form last night, and uh, the rest of the band was really tight. Ironically, they gave a shout out to Mike Portnoy, who was in the crowd. No kidding. Uh, yeah, he was in the crowd. They they gave, Labrie gave him a shout out, and uh, you'll you'll you heard it here first. I believe he will be back uh, behind the drum kit for for Dream Theater in the not so distant future. So, bookmark the episode. I said it uh, on the March seventh episode. I I do believe he will be back in the fold very very soon. Good. Can he sing too? Uh, he does the backing vocals. What yeah. I didn't say is that he will not be. He will be singing leads for Dream Theater on their next tour. He'll actually well, then, be. Singing. Then I'll be there. Yeah, there you go. Um, got something a little bit different next week. I um, told you about this. You were up for it, and I think uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I sent you an album. I removed all the tags. All I did was label the tracks one through nine, and that's what we're covering next week. A mystery album. I don't think you've heard this, and I made painstaking efforts to try to find something that I didn't think you had heard. I could be wrong, uh, but either way, we're going to cover something which is going to be a bit of a surprise next week, and then we'll do a big reveal at the end. Uh, and obviously, when we put up our tracks of the week, people will get to, to hear this band and whatnot, uh, but I'm not going to reveal who it is right now. I'm just going to say, listen to the album, we'll reconvene next week, and um, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on an album that was literally handpicked for you. Yes. Um, first of all, that makes me feel very special. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. That's what I was, that's what I was going for. Um, but yeah, so you did send it to me, but I have not, I didn't want to listen to it just yet. I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to digest Mastodon and I also didn't want to over listen to what you sent me to the point where like, I almost like get too deep in the weeds about it. I kind of want to give it like the same amount of love that we give all the albums, which is about four or five listens. Um, but I am super curious and, and very excited. I thought this was such a neat idea. And uh, this is something we don't typically do, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to tell you what we're doing uh, two weeks from now. Um, it's something that kind of uh, popped into my head a little while ago uh, but right before we went on the air, and it's it, it's something that I think is going to be really helpful for me, and also going to be really interesting to hear your thoughts as well. But um, it was recently uh, announced that Prague Power um, this coming year in June ha- has sold out um, days three and four, which are the main days of the festival: Friday and Saturday night. And um, one of the bands that's headlining is a band called Conception, and they have been. Um, their first album was released, I believe, in 1991. So they've been around for a long time. We've mentioned them um, uh, specifically um, when we talked with uh, John Macaluso because of his uh, connection to Tori Osby. Um, what I'd like to do, and we haven't done this since Shadow Gallery, but I'd like to talk about their entire discography, mostly because I... I'm not super familiar with a whole handful of songs from them, um, particularly the first and third albums. Um, so, like, I'm really familiar with Parallel Minds and Flow, but not so much with their debut album or with their In Your Multitude album. Um, and then, and then we'll, we can just throw on the uh, the newest album that came out 
uh, two years ago, uh, just as icing on the cake, but we'll treat it much like we treated the shadow gallery episode where it'll be like a career retrospective. And, and because, because being that they're headlining in Prague power and it'll be my first time seeing Roy Khan sing live, I really want to make sure that I know every possible song that they could bust out. So that's my, uh, that's my plan. Um, and I, I, and I'll try to see if we can reach out to somebody and possibly get an interview much the way we got to speak with Gary Werecamp uh, after our shadow gallery um, discussion. But I did want to give you two weeks cause that is five albums that we need to listen to. So it's, it's really funny. You mentioned that I was invited to go to Norway this weekend to go hang out with the band. <laughs> no joke. Well, maybe you should go get that interview. For yeah. <laughs> I, I really dropped the ball on that one. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I was invited to go out there. They're playing a show in their hometown next weekend, um, which I, had tickets to as well, but obviously I am in New York. I am not in Norway. Uh, but yeah, if we can get a hold of them, that would be fantastic. I know that they're a little bit tied up this week, but next week maybe maybe um, a little bit more open. But yeah, this this I'll say this: I don't know the first album um, as well as I should. I don't know that they ever really go near the material so much. But in your multitude has some fantastic tracks, and you uh, you definitely will enjoy that. Listen, and I don't have to tell you about the rest of the material, which I'm sure you have heard. You know quite quite a bit uh this this will definitely be fun i am glad to do this and i think it's obviously very timely because we will be seeing them in uh a couple of months at this yeah. time and i should i should mention as a caveat that their first four albums are not easy to find um they're not available on streaming services you can't buy them on itunes um for whatever reason i think these were like no, uh, noise records released back in the day um for whatever reason, the rights have never been kind of transferred over to whoever. So you can only get the reunited conception material, which is everything from 2008 on. Um, they do have uh, a couple of, you know, um, they, they remade a couple of their older songs, like A Virtual Love Story and Roll the Fire. Um, they redid Gethsemane, um, which was from Flo. Um, but yeah, so you, maybe two weeks isn't bad. You might have to go out of your way to go on eBay or um, or just find the, a physical copy of these albums. Uh, I actually there. have all of these on disc, but I, uh, I obviously I've ripped everything to my computer at this point. But I'm I'm one of the few people that literally have every one of their CDs because I was such a fanboy um, back in the late '90s and and continue to be a massive fan. So needless to say, uh, this is going to be a fun exercise for me, and I, I look forward to kind of walking through the history with you. Um, as much as we did for Shadow Gallery, you know, uh, got to be over a year ago now. So, uh, and I think we have yeah. another one of these coming up in the not so distant future as well. But we'll, my, we'll get my there. Ex- my expectation is to become a really huge fan of this band by the time we're done. Whereas with Shadow Gallery, I think we both didn't need any selling. We were already pretty huge fans of the band to begin with. It was nice for me to kind of. Um, listen to like Room 5, which I hadn't listened to as much as I would have liked to. But this is a band where I think all around, there's probably even some songs on Parallel Minds that I don't know as well as I should. But um, most definitely um, In Your Multitude and The Last Sunset. Um, So yeah, I I think that this will make for some good prep work. Um, I did say to you that I wasn't planning on doing a lot of prep work uh, when it comes to prog power, but being that they're a headliner, con singing, I've never seen him live. Um, there's just, you know, and it's our first time back in a long time. It, it just, I just felt like 
I needed to pay proper respects to the headlining band. So respect, I like it. Uh, Well deserved. And I happen to be sponsoring them, but that's a story for, for another day. I look forward to this uh, tremendously. And I look forward to your reaction to uh, our surprise episode next week, which I will give no hints about until after we've sat down to record. So this should be a fun couple of weeks. I thank you for uh, joining me and we will uh, catch you next week when we talk about, I don't know, whatever it is we're talking about. Question (laughs) mark. Take it easy, bud. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.